right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. It is presented by our friends at CarParts.com. I'm telling you, man, this is simple, easy, quick. Drops right to your back door, your front door, your shop door. And all you got to do, Bird, is just tap it in, CarParts.com, and you're well on your way, man. It's the smarter way to shop for car parts. I tell you what, man. You know what? Today, bro, I am so doubly fired up. Yeah. Yeah, I can see why. There's a lot to be fired up about here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, all right. So let, let me before we sort of let the cat out of the bag. If you were getting described, imagine you and all your car buddies, because we all do it. We're sitting around on Friday, Saturday night, a car meet, swap meet, car show, drag race, whatever. All right, and this is all the you know all the bench racing we always do, right? You're talking what you think your ET or your time is going to be, this and that, and the other talking cars. Anybody says, hey, I got a new setup, man. I got to tell you about it. It's a uh, you know, it's it's a deep skirted forged engine block. It's it's got six, you know, six uh, main caps, six bolt main caps in it. It's got um, let's see what else is. It's got deep skirted. Uh, let's see, it's got a forged crank. It's got um, what else? I'm trying to think of there. It's got all this stuff. The whole time the guy sitting there is going, this guy's got a new race engine. He's got got he's got a new race engine. It's got to be a new race engine. What is he gonna do? And he goes, no, it's 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 in a truck. <laughs> I, I feel like everybody would be like, shut up. <laughs> You know, because what you're describing is a race engine, but it's in a truck. Yeah, but you know what? If you think about an LS, it's also in a truck. Sure. But we're not talking about the LS. No. <laughs> we're talking about the other, the new kid in town. The bigger kid in town. Probably the meaner kid in town. By a sizable margin, too. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it's not just like a little flex. It's a full-on... Huh. There's a reason yeah. it's nicknamed Godzilla. <laughs> if that didn't tip you off, uh, you're in you're in you're in a hole somewhere. Yeah, there is a new engine, and I think you could argue it might be king of the town here before too long. I mean, it needs some it needs some aftermarket love, right? But from a base from a base architecture, all the numbers stand. I mean, you started going at it, right? Push rod, so it's compact. Great flowing heads, right, great right. combustion chamber, yeah. lots of displacement, 7.3 liters. Uh, and again, if you haven't heard, put all the pieces together, Ford's come out with the brand new 7.3 liter V8 pushrod engine. Very similar to what you would think of an LS, but bigger and meaner. But 446 cubic inches. Let's just put yeah. it for <laughs> I mean, the thing is a straight monster compared to what's out there and imagine 
the fact that it is framed up as a truck engine and its delivery is in that dressing is going to surprise and fool a lot of people. Um, I feel like that was that was probably one of the best plays of the man that we have coming up in just a minute. He gave Ford such a, a carrot at the end of the stick. They had to find something to put it in, and he knew the whole time he was taking it to the racing world, man. <laughs> He's killing it. Oh, uh, that's what's great about uh, our guest, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna throw it out there, Brian Wolf. A lot of you guys know this guy because uh, back in the late '80s, he was killing it with naturally aspirated 5.0. And we say 5.0, not the mod 5.0, the original kind of Ford small block 5.0. Uh, you know, in 86, when they came out, I think with fuel injection, right? A lot of people were scared off, but he wasn't scared. He dove in. He was the first guy, if I got it right, the first guy naturally aspirated with an old 302, breaking the 11s, breaking the 10s, breaking the 9s. This was way back in the Fox body days, right? When people were scared off of fuel injection, switching over to, you know, back to carburetors. This guy was killing it. And then with a little bit of spray down in the 8s. This is early 90s, guys. Like, early 90s. That was a long time ago. This guy was kind of the forefront of a lot of that Pro 5.0 drag racing. But he wasn't just a drag racer. He ended up being the director of global engine engineering at Ford Motor Company. Just retired a couple years ago. He is the one that kind of led this whole, you know, Godzilla development. So there are, there's a one percenter group at Ford, and I'm sure at GM and others... Where they're not corporate people, they're car guys. They're racers, right? And they're in there, kind of sneaking around, trying to bake in what we all know is the right thing to do. And Brian is that guy. Yeah, every me and every Tom, Dick, and Harry out there race, you know, his his following, right? <laughs> his minions uh, at every drag strip, street race, quarter mile, eighth mile. Uh, they were doing it all, and all following his lead, I'm sure. So let's take a break. When we come back, the man behind it all, Godzilla, uh, the man himself, Brian Wolf, joins the Two Guys Garage podcast with Kevin Bird and Willie P. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. It's presented by our friends at CarParts.com. I can give a true live testimonial update. Remember last time I said, you know, I ordered for CarParts.com. I found regulators for a 70. You know, I'm a Dodge guy. I'm a Mopar guy. <laughs> uh, I found uh, Plymouth Roadrunner door motors, right? And th those are a rare part. Tough to find. A lot of restoration places don't even have them. Found them at CarParts.com. Went on, ordered both of them for the driver and passenger side uh, doors, and boop, they showed up, man, five, six days later. And, and it's shocking considering the environment that we're in where every part, everywhere you go, is back-ordered, is weeks behind, you know? We all get those notices. God. Nice. Yeah. Thought it was actually pretty impressive. I was like, right on. I feel proud about that. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's, it's impressive, all the stuff that they have there, man. You got to check them out. They make it so easy. And love, love just getting at your door, man. Uh, really cool. No doubt. Um, all right. 
Let's bring him on. Ah, oh, the one and only Brian Wolf. You guys, this is gonna be tough for you today. I can tell. Hey, man. man you know what? Um, <laughs> it's gonna be very educational because this man is a legend when it comes to racing and the fact that he was able to get this program through. You know, I gotta ask that. How? How did you overcome all the obstacles? How was it pushing a program like this through? I mean, for a lot of people up on the top of the food chain, they had to look at this like, aren't we going backwards? Not really. It was it was a lot easier to sell up than to sell to the team. Because, you know, once you kind of have the architecture of multi-valve overhead wow. cams, um, you know, the, the technical wizards were like, oh, man, I don't know about this. But, uh, but selling up top, because of some of the things you said, it was compact. We could reduce engine codes, uh, take a little bit of cost out, take some weight out. You know, the, the metrics, if you will, you know, sold it. Uh, but it was a little bit harder bringing some of the, some of the guys along because, you know, I'm a huge Coyote fan. I think it's one of the best engines ever produced, at, you know, in mass, right? But you say, hey, for this Super Duty truck, right, um, you know, what's the right thing? And one of the things we needed to do, I think, as all know, we had the 6.8 in there. We needed to improve the CO2 emissions of fuel economy on the engine. It was long in the tooth. It was very costly because the 5.4 went away, all the things where there were synergy. So something needed to be done to improve that fuel economy. And it was difficult for the team. They, they really did a fantastic job. Uh, I think the engine is, is, is really strong. And... It started as a variant of the 6.2, to be quite frank. When I went, uh, I came back from Europe and I uh, was able, was appointed to the director of global engine engineering. The program was already kind of started. They knew they needed to do it. And I looked at it and I said, you know, it's, it's a lot of money because we're putting an all new plant in and it's really, really big and heavy. Is this the right thing? And the first prototype series was already coming. So the team really had to scramble, um, you know, put all the information together, see if it was the right thing. And then, as you said, kind of go up the chain because first time you do a big change of the program, everything's more expensive. But then by the time you, you roll through it, you get the true cost and, and that comes out. But uh, uh, so it, it, was, uh, it wasn't that hard to sell up, uh, a little harder to bring all the team along, but uh, they came along and they did a great job. This is where you've got to have the technical savvy, right? Because we went down that, that 6.2. If anybody's familiar with the current F-150 engine, our Super Duty engine as well, right? It's a single overhead cam that just makes the engine big. It's dual spark plug. It's just more costly. It's bulky. We end up in the same spot performance-wise, basically, as an LS and and a Hemi, but it's just bigger and more expensive. So, you know, it takes a guy to come in there and say, hey, you know, instead of doing more of the same, right? Why don't we spin this thing around? Why don't we rethink it a little bit? Why don't we go in the smart way, right? And clean sheet it. And he kind of ran the numbers, got the cost to come in and sold it, like you said, to the big guys. Uh, and then you just got to get the team that was going in one direction, all lined up going back the other direction and make this thing come home. So it's, it's the rare guys like Brian, who's got that technical savvy, you can see down the future, too, like where this thing is going to end up. Uh, but what's the right thing for the program right now, right? That's what I want to know is at some point in this design and what you're thinking, in the back of your mind as a purebred racer, right, and performance guy, you got to be, you know, race wheels turning back here, like, you know, just burning, um, you know, saying, wow, there's some potential here. Uh, and as you move the project forward, even though its application was was a truck, 
in the back of your mind, you, you got to be thinking, man, this is going to be a game changer for the aftermarket, for, for all those old school muscle cars, for racing, all the potential just whoosh. Well, what happened, the guy that was the, uh, the manager, the, we call it the engine system. So this was the team accountable to pull all the parts together, the cost, work with the plant, work with the engineers. Uh, I was a guy named Jerry Beamer, really good team builder, really great guy to be around. I walked in his office one morning. I was a very early starter, and so was Jerry. And I wrote on his board, I said, your performance review is going to be based on how many of these trucks are stolen to take the engines out of for other uses. Uh, 100%. (laughs) There's a few of us sneaky guys in there, right? Because we're thinking, you know, bottom line, what's right for the company. But you're also thinking, like... I was part of the whole uh, Coyote mod stuff, you know, five, 10 years upstream, right? That's my role. I'm, I'm advanced powertrain. And, you know, you, you get requirements cascaded down like, okay, you know, the old mod motor was just anemic as hell, right? Overhead cam, but it made hardly any real significant power until we got, you know, the Coyote version. Uh, but here we are asked to, uh, you know, make X amount of horsepower. And you're looking at the thing while you're designing, like I did the cylinder block for that engine. Uh, in the early days, and it's like, well, I could, uh, you know, have a bulkhead strength to to meet the target, or I can think, guys, this thing's going to be supercharged, you know? Let's put the extra effort in. Let's go ahead and get some of that structure in. Let me go ahead and get my head bolt columns in. Let me put some things in there that are essentially freebies, but you're thinking ahead, and there's just, you know, there's a few folks that are always planted around trying to get those extra little bonus designs, bonus features in there, and you know, when you can get a guy like Brian who's way at the top, I mean, he can just arc that across a much bigger space, and it's pretty awesome when it comes together. Yeah, the guys did a great job. And, you know, again, on, on this 7.3, I mean, some of the videos that you may have seen, you know, there's a guy named Todd Merkel, and, you know, he put twin uh, 78s on a completely, you know, stock in, mostly completely stock. I think he changed valve springs, changed fuel injectors, and it made 1,200 horsepower, right? Stock heads, stock valves, you know, um, he ended up collapsing a, a lifter at some point. But that, but you know, still, that's just a good testimony for how strong that bottom end is. A little birdie told me that you, on yours, without adding too much to it, on basically a stock setup, made for a 1400 number. Is that true or false? Well, it's uh, a bit of, it's, it's a, a bit of both. That engine, you know, um, again, I was building that engine like I built, uh, you know, an X275 motor. So I wasn't trying to see what, you know, how, how much the stock rod and piston would hold up to. But, you know, this thing has a forged crank, really good crankshaft in it, the six bolt mains. And so it's got a stock block, stock crank, stock cylinder head castings, no welding done to the castings. Uh, but I, you know, put in Jessel key lifters, shaft mounted rockers, uh, and with a whip, three liter Whipple, uh, it made 1,450 horsepower. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that, and that, and, I, and again, I think we'll probably, you know, do, do better than that. I just didn't have the right pulley set up, you know, to, to put more boost into it. Yeah. We got to remember this is, this is right out of the gate. I mean, just imagine how many years, right. From the original LS ones. Right? LS2s, yeah. LS3s, LS7s, like how many years we've been poking on that game, right? And where we are today. And yeah, the things make crazy power. You just sneeze on them. This is right out of the gate, man. We're learning all the tricks, you know, all the goodies that go into it. It's it's going to be exciting to see where this thing head, ends up, you know? Brian and I have a, a mutual friend, and uh, he was telling me about that particular engine and said it was basically, 
you know, a stock, you know, a stock format. Yeah, that you you traded out a little bit of, on the vow train, but you know, just being able to throw a little bit at this engine in R and D and time on a dyno, and you're seeing numbers like that. It's like, wow, you know, that thing has got massive potential down the road, and I'm sure that played a part as you're developing it and as you're showing it off and you know, sort of praising this next application in the, you know, 250 and 350 pickup trucks. In the back of that mind, man, you you got to be smiling knowing that it's headed down that road. You know, yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, you know the potential's there. You know, you know that you're going to be making 250,000 of these things a year going into, you know, trucks and trucks end up getting in racks. They're going to be in yards. I mean, there's already a lot available. Um, and, you know, the aftermarket um, on this thing, I was pretty impressed with. I mean, some companies really jumped in both feet, um, you know, like Weisco, for instance, you know, they were, you know, had pistons, you know, virtually immediately. Uh, they did a set of connecting rods for the lower cost set of, you know, connecting rods. Um, Calais jumped in, you know, they contacted me and, you know, about doing camshafts, connecting rods or doing steel main bearing caps uh, and looking at a host of other parts, you know, as, uh, crankshafts, et cetera. So, you know, the, the, the aftermarket for as little as this has been out um, has, has really been impressive. Um, and that was my biggest fear. And we were talking earlier, right? Because it's not in, in, you know, a million different vehicles, right? And it's already in, you know, whether it's a, an LS, for example, where it's in a GTO, it's in a Corvette, it's in a Camaro, it's in a Cadillac, it's already there. So you're thinking, man, all these engines really have to be swapped or turned into drag cars or whatever, so will the aftermarket embrace it? And as Brian's saying, man, they're already embracing it. And what's great is the architecture is already so strong that in a lot of cases, uh, just to go out there and make a bunch of power right out of the gate, it doesn't take much. Uh, but with the aftermarket jumping on, you know, that's what I was talking about. Like, wow, how far is this thing going to go? Uh, so it's building up some steam and some momentum really damn fast. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. And, you know, the, the, the customers that I work with, you know, there's, a lot of guys that are really interested in putting this in old Broncos, uh, old F series. And, you know, they just, they want just like a 600 horsepower, 600 foot pound torque <laughs> motor. It's every day now, man. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's a cam, that's a cam and a little bit of head work. And, uh, you know, I, I run them on dyno, I break them in, you know, send them out with the control system and, you know, they got a real reliable piece that's going to really do well in, in those old trucks to go around. And then I've got other guys, uh, that I'm doing a twin turbo for, uh, another couple guys doing supercharged engines for going in, you know, uh, 60s, uh, 69 Mustang, 69 Talladega, 69 Fairlane Cobra. Uh, so, I mean, there are just a lot of people out there excited about this stuff. Yeah. So for those of you that, you know, are thinking about that application and what a benefit it would be to have that as your power plant, here's another bonus that these guys have designed the uh, the Achilles heel, I believe, uh, of the Coyote was a, it's really wide. This is four and a half inches narrower than a Coyote. So for people that are thinking shock towers and, you know, everybody knows what what a pain in the butt it is trying to get something in between those Mustang shock towers. Well, now you could be able to do it. So this really does open the door 
uh, from everything, the you know, Fairlanes, the Mustangs, regardless of the year, make, whatever. Dude, this is going to be that application that you can now drop in there like the Chevy guys have had the LS for a number of years. But guess what? This thing's 100 plus cubic inches bigger, putting down significantly more power. And this is before you touch it. This is this is just, you know, before you even look at it and give it that little stink eye, you know, to put some power to it. You know, it's amazing. This is a this is a badass engine. Are you a little scared? Are you a little jealous? Tell me, Willie, what's going on in your head, man? Well, you know, I do have a. Let me just point out, I do have a Mustang in my in my project barn. I'm just saying it might it might be time to dust that one out, <laughs> bring it up, just, <laughs> embrace it, give it a hug, uh, give it a hug. I know it's hard, man. I know it's hard. Ah, uh, it's tough, man. It's tough. <laughs> uh, well, let's. T- I'll tell you what. Let's take a break. More questions, and you know, the man behind this entire project is with us. So, I can't wait to see what he had as as far as hurdles of taking it from a truck engine to a racing engine because you know there's a difference there you're you know what you're looking for down the road is just a little bit different i'm sure there are a few hurdles so we'll pick his brain next brian wolf it's two guys throughout the podcast he is kevin bird i am willie b we're back after the break It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. It is presented by CarParts.com. I'm telling you guys, all you have to do, check it out one time. I really feel confident saying you're going to be a customer, consumer. You're going to use them because what they do is great. You pick. You know your make, model, and part. You pick. Not not some other guy uh, on the counter You know, that's texting his girlfriend back and forth. Yeah, man. You get your parts in just a couple of days, and you can save up to 50% by going to the store. I'll take that any day, any day. Yeah, man. All right. Well, guess what? We're back with Brian Wolf. Now you've started in the aftermarket now, right? So you were running essentially all the engines all over Ford, and now in the aftermarket, you're starting your own business, Willis Performance, right? So you're taking this Godzilla motor from from truck to race car. So give us a little bit more scoop on that process. The, the support, like I said, was really good. I mean, you start to think about it just for a minute, right? You've got this extremely strong foundation. I don't need to worry about an aftermarket block. I don't even need to worry about a crankshaft. Aluminum rods, I mean, you know, they put those out like popcorn. You give them the dimensions, they make it to what you want. Uh, the, the aftermarket pistons were pretty easy. Um, I had a little issue with the camshaft because again, you know, first out, you know, it's a different spacing, different lobes, you know, separation or uh, spacing. So uh, Charlie West got here in uh, Jackson, Michigan, made the cam, but it took him 10 days. That was it. Uh, I put in roller cam bearings. You know, those were off the shelf because guess what? This engine from the factory has a 60 millimeter cam bearing in it. I wonder who was responsible for that, Brian. Not sure, but but, uh, <laughs> but no, it all truthful. So I go, to, I, I go to the cam guy, I go, hey, uh, man, what are we doing for cam bearing size? He goes, 60 millimeters. Oh, cool. I mean, like it was Kevin was like what you did with the block, right? I mean, you said, hey, I want to make it feel better. The guys, and, and that was, I think, the thing that makes this engine, one of the things that makes this engine really good was the engineers that are used to doing all the overhead cam stuff and having the stiffness of the valve train and having those in their design guide says, well, hey, to meet this criteria, I need this. So they built that in and they did it. I mean, you know, it's a really good job. So, you know, bottom end was was pretty straightforward. Then I worked with a visitor uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan on the cylinder heads. Now, uh, Dave, um, you know, we said, we, you know, this is an 8.8 degree A valve angle with a 1.8 cant on the intake and exhaust. We left those locations 
Dave uh, did you know CNC programming for the ports. We put a two and a quarter intake valve in it, one seven hundred exhaust, um, but kept. But but there's no welding on the cylinder heads at all. So I mean, this is like you said, the tip of the iceberg. It flowed three hundred ninety five cfm on the intake side. Yeah. Wow. All right. All right so I got I got to ask. Tell me about the valve train because how does that stand up? You know, I, I I read it's got a real robust you know um, bottom end. Tell me about that valve train. Tell me about you know the thing taking a beating. Okay. So yeah. Now this is really cool. I, I wish I was a little bit more prepared. Because I went and I bought some GM performance part rocker arms to look at them. And I had my uh, stock uh, 7.3 rocker arm. You could take the GM performance, you could wiggle it, and it like would chingle, like bangle a little bit. Like some yeah, noise. yeah. It makes a little chink, chink, chink. The Ford rocker arm, and it's just nice. Rolls easy. There's no play. I mean, it, it, it's really a nice piece. Now, in the race car, or as I like to call it, my old Ford with the truck motor, Fox body with my truck motor in it. Um, you know, that I did put, uh, we, you know, we did a, uh, a shaft mounted rocker system on it. Sure. And understandably so. You're going to, you know, you're going to be pushing that 1800 Ultra Street stuff. You, yeah, you need that this sort of equipment. Um, but, the, but the stock valve train you're saying is pretty robust compared to like LS stuff, which everybody knows I, I, I think it feels comfortable with. You know, they rev those through the world, you know, 7,000, you know, with a, with a lot of cam in it. Yeah, yeah, we did. You know, I, so I've got the motor that's behind me. Uh, it's going to go on down. I'm going to be doing some cam development on it, uh, but that's going to have stock rocker arms in it. And you know, I expect to spend about seventy three hundred RPM. Nice. And what about with uh, the shaft mount? How how much RPM do you think you can get out of one of these things? I took that to on the dyno. Took that so far to like eight thousand. Okay. Um, I'm expecting to go through the traps at about eighty five hundred in it. That sounds like that's going to sound really nice. And that's with the stock crank. Stock crank. Oh, y'all, no. <laughs> and stock head gaskets. Yeah. What do you, so what, what kind of head gas? Some multi-layer steel deal? Yeah, yeah. So, deal? yeah five-layer yeah, five multi-layer five layer, steel okay, gas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, man, you got a lot of good racing stuff in there, all by design, I'm certain. Uh, where do you see the potential of this thing going in stock form, right, with a, a few bolt-ons, and then with, with power adders? Because, you know, we're looking at superchargers on everything nowadays, twins on everything where do you see the potential of this thing going with this performance we're getting out of these cylinder heads you know i'm thinking you know with this twin turbo setup you know if it doesn't make 18 to 2 i'm going to be really disappointed now in that engine i'm, I'm now that engine's a stock block i have the block filled copper head gaskets o-ringed uh you know not the regular o-ring but like the diesel you know type uh round fire hoops in them um and that was easy too because you know, guess what? You know, they got a four and a half four space aftermarket LS, which, you know, and this is a 453 bore space. So, you know, I just, you know, those parts are, are were readily available. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about uh, how that's going to work out too. So how do you think, uh, you know, block and crank? Because we can always get rods and pistons. So block and crank, what do you, what are you guessing they're good for? I, you know, well, Calais is uh, making a set of uh, billet uh, caps for it. But I got to tell you that block, the only thing, the only thing I'm worried about in that block is it has a saw cut between the bores for cooling. Mm. Uh -huh. It goes down about five eighths of an inch. Um, so for this uh, twin turbo motor uh, that we're doing, we're making a little steel spacer to go in there. Yeah, yeah. So what I'm worried about is you know kind of a cantilever effect at the top of that bore, maybe wiggling. What's the bridge? Bridge thickness on that one? Well, it's a 422 bore, 453 bore space. So, you know, it's about three tenths, you know. Three tenths. 
Okay. I know you're trying to convert it to millimeters, you young guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Yeah, man. What's these engineers go? What I did a long time ago, right when we had the uh, you know the mod motor and all aluminum, is uh, I went to the foundry. We cast up because I was doing some prototypes, um, looking at getting five liters out of the four six iron block, right? So ended up uh, kind of working out a deal with our casting guys, the four performance guys. Got that in the catalog, so you could do cross drills. So we just got to do something similar where we when we get the raw castings before machining, we skip that op. Next thing you know, in the aftermarket, it's in the catalog. You can do the cross drills instead. And next, I love the way you think. See, we, yeah, but but again, only if, if only you know this is it's only times like this I'm disappointed I retired, right? Because you know back <laughs> you know when you're still there, it'd be like a quick phone call and it'd be you know yes sir you know make fifty of them you know share them with the Ford you know run them through the line, share them with the Ford performance guys, put it in the catalog and go. Um, you know, there was a time where that was, uh, where that happened a lot, you know, back in the, in the, in the nineties. Well, create enough buzz with this thing, push the limits, right. Show what we need to do to make it good. And, uh, you know, give a couple of us a call on the inside. We'll see if we can help, you know, figure out the ways to make it easy to get something like that yeah. in the catalog. Yeah, no doubt. It's, uh, Absolutely. Hey, if, if you build it, they will race. It's like the old, you know, field of dreams. If you build it, they will race it. <laughs> I got a quick question, man. I got a quick question. So we got the motor. What about controls, right? What are the guys doing for controls for the motor and talking to transmissions? What's Where do you see that headed? Yeah, well, there's three systems available now that I know work with the engine, right? So the first, uh, OBR is kind of a, a, it's not a new company, but it's new to the performance industry. And uh, they have a control system that works as you know, plug and play. So it'll run the VCT, it'll run the oil pump. It comes with a special wiring harness designed just for the Godzilla. Um, works really great, uh, fully calibratable data logs, all that stuff. So that's you know, system A. Um, and that's why I you know, run on the dyno a lot. Uh, system B is what I have in my personal race car. Um, I afford with a truck motor and that's a big stuff three pro extreme. You know, I, I enjoy that for, for the drag application, a lot of flexibility, um, and uh, use that there. Uh, some new friends of mine, guys at a company called Five Bar Motorsports, some young fellows in their mid-30s uh, that have this company in Florida, uh, they have Haltech in theirs, and they've got a, a Mustang with a big single turbo on it. And uh, I've been uh, you know, talking to them a bit, and uh, they're very excited for guys, but they do all, all brands. Um, so I know those three aftermarket systems work today. And then uh, like the big stuff, I don't use the stock coil. So it's not kind of fully plug and play. I use an aftermarket high voltage coil on that. I think the, the Alltech is, is the same. The OBR and why I like it for the swap market is it's truly plugs into the stock coils, injectors, all, you know, every, everything, you know. Just that makes it too easy. Now, any way to run... You know, like an automatic transmission, any kind of interface there? Well, the that's the killer's heel, right? So, you know, a lot of the guys are doing manuals. The guys that are doing six hours are doing the aftermarket controller with it, just interfacing with the uh, with the OBR system. Uh, the big stuff will control a uh, a 4L transmission. So, if you did an adapter plate, you know, you I got a guy that's doing one of those, um, and I'm not sure about the hull tech, but it. Uh, can control transmission. Well, I got a question. I want to lie about you. Do you think what your kind of your signature is going to be is is this godzilla you know sort of footprint on, on motorsports market do you feel like this is going to be a big wave for all the ford enthusiasts out there because 
you know, I know a lot of guys, man. Uh, I know one building a cyclone right now with a Trimic in it. He's just, he's going bananas uh, on this on this engine. Uh, I know, you know, a couple other people that are, are looking at this setup and, and really just, you know, they can't wait to get their hands on it. Do you think this is going to bring Ford back into the forefront when it comes to a lot of, you know, you see a lot of Ford stuff with Chevy stuff in it, man. And uh, I'm just curious if you think this is going to, sort of shift that a little bit and make some of these Ford guys realize how easy, simple, efficient this setup can be for them. Yeah, no, I, I think it will. Um, I, I think it'll definitely help that way. And I, like I tell, you know, people that, you know, some, you know, sometimes on the internet, there's a little discussion about, you know, the Coyote is way better and this and that. And I said, look, man, the Coyote is a fantastic engine. I am just couldn't be prouder of being a retired Ford guy that a Ford guy now has two very modern engines that, are great options in a performance vehicle, right? You got two ways to go. They're both great. Now, um, but I do think there might be some guys that maybe were a little intimidated by the overhead cam and maybe, you know, kind of push towards an LS a little bit. Um, and I know guys that are, you know, the, the couple of engines that were sold were guys that were going to pull LSs out or do an LS and then decided to do this. So it's definitely there. Team Z Motorsports already has uh, K members available for Mustangs. Um, I think I'm going to mention one of the shop vehicles that we're doing is going to be a, uh, an 88 millimeter, uh, E85 Godzilla and a 2000 Mustang, uh, with a, with a stick in it. So, uh, I think that's going to be a lot of people are going to want to go that way. So I wanted to build one. So I know what hurdles they're going to have. So I can help advise folks on, uh, how to get around whatever hurdles the may arise. Talk about a lineup, man. I mean, you got your pick, whether you want to go, you know, high tech dual overhead cam, wing that sucker out i mean i'm i'm doing the 5.2 supercharged in my mustang 8200 rpm or whether you want to go big block you know whether it's fuel injected where you want to go back you know into the carburetor setup just to give it that old school feel i mean i i don't know why you you wouldn't build a ford nowadays and really want to consider anything else except either one of those two options yeah as a matter of fact you you mentioned the, the carburetor is really cool uh just uh, the other day, I got a phone call from a company that's just coming out called Indie Power Products. And uh, they're the ones, I don't know if you saw on the internet, that you've got that AC Cobra with the 7.3 in it. So they did the oil pan, the front cover system, the ad for that, the really cool valve covers. And now they have a cast intake manifold that looks like a carburetor manifold. So you could run a carburetor or you could run a uh, you know throttle body, a four barrel throttle body, and that is that's a really sweet piece. I ran it on the dyno here uh, the other day, and it's got really good distribution at EGTs within you know 35, 40 degrees, which Fahrenheit, uh, which uh, you know is is really a nice tight bundle, um, you know, on that type of application. So again, there's there's going to be a lot of options for you know depending on what look you're looking you, you want for your specific. That's cool, man. You could have all those those looks and, and feel of that old school Ford big block, you know, but it really be one of these Godzilla engines, you know. It's, it's kind of cool to see. But this is a small block, for the record. Yeah, yeah, no, it looks like one of those old school big block. And, you know, people would pop the hood and have a 490 or 460 under there and be like, oh, yeah. You know, with a carburetor and old setup, you can kind of look like an old engine, but have, you know, all that modern, all the modern goodness in it that, that makes a rip. So it's damn cool. Well, I got I got a fundamental question though. What what truly is making it a small block versus a big block anymore? Like where is that line, right? What what is defining that? Yeah. When you look at like again, you know, as Willie mentioned, most of the sanctioning bodies, right? The only really place it really matters, you know, is when you're talking about in 
X275, Radio vs. World, LDR. These are all eighth mile type classes where they classify small blocks and big blocks. So big block Chevy, 4E4 bore space, big block Ford, 4900. Uh, now they're calling big blocks, you know, four or five inch bore space, five 300s. You've got a LS at 4.4 inch bore space. You got a Gen 3 at 446 bore space, and you got this at 453. So if you do a little plot and you say, where does this belong? It definitely bundles with the small blocks. It definitely doesn't bundle with the big blocks. Yeah, I see. I say we're working. We're working the drag race rules. I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you <laughs> by design. All right, <laughs> it's the biggest small block ever built. Awesome. Yeah, because yeah, we used to be the smallest with the four thirty three right. four thirty eight four space with the uh, conventional small block board. We're finally making up for some past shortcomings right. here. Yeah. All right, Brian. Where can people find you, uh, Willis Performance? Because I know a lot of guys are going to get geeked up and go, "Man, I want one for my Bronco. I want one for my race car." How do they find you? How do they find you socially? Because I know I'm following you personally on on Facebook, so I get to see you know when you're doing you know the next run, the next upgrade. You're keeping folks you know up to date on on you know all the progress that you guys are making, all the development. So give us the handle. Where's the skinny? Yeah. So you know two places. Uh, you know one is you know Facebook where I have you know my personal uh, one, which is open to the public because 95 percent of what I put up is either uh, something about the race car or something about you know animals because you know I'm a big animal lover. And then the, the second place is I do have a Willis Performance Enterprises Facebook. And then I have a website. Now, the website's different because Willis Performance was taken. So it's Willis Engines. So W-I-L-L-I-S, engines with an S, dot com. Hey, it, it's funny, Bird, because you said people are going to be wanting to swap into their Bronco. I'm over here thinking people are going to be wanting to swap into their Camaro, cuz. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, don't forget about our show, Era Weekends on the Motor Trend Network. Check your local listings. Episodes also now streaming on Motor Trend On Demand, a great way to find us. Thanks to our guests. Uh, and what a wealth of knowledge. Brian Wolf, we'll talk with him, I'm sure, down the road about all the performance and numbers this engine is going to create for all of us race fans. Uh, again, my man Kevin Bird, I am Willie B, producer, scooper, executive producer, Mr. Bob Ecker. Yeah, and don't forget to check out our website, twoguysgarage.com. Tons of great content, information behind the scenes, and check us out socially. We're everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Two Guys Garage. Now, this Two Guys Garage podcast is copyrighted, 2021. Britain Productions Incorporated, all rights reserved. Man. That is some pretty awesome news, dude. I know it's I know it's tearing at you from being super cool. Maybe you put one on your Mustang to dang it. Man. Oh, somebody's gonna smoke me in the next lane. Hey, Godzilla went from the big screen to the thirteen twenty. Now I'm like, That's Damn. right. That's right. <laughs> uh it's gonna be interesting to see how it does, man. I'm looking forward to uh lining up against it. Who knows? I might have to dust off that Mustang. I've got something legit to put in there now. I'm ready. I, I can't even I can't even visualize Willie B pulling up to the line you know doing a burnout you won't have to visualize man he's in a mustang I, i'll give you a picture of my taillights <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll be willing to look at those <laughs> we'll catch you on the next two guys garage podcast you guys take care take care two guys garage podcast is produced by britain productions for more episodes visit iHeartRadio, apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite shows